G'day and welcome to Property Australia's favourite obsession. My name is Jeremy Cannon and I'm your host and today we're going to discuss about how you should be pricing your rental property. See, as landlords, we rely heavily on the income generated from our properties to pay for our loans and fund our lifestyles. And the difference between a fairly priced rental property and one that's under the market can cost you absolutely thousands. So here to talk about all things rental is our resident go-to property manager and part-time YouTube sensation, Braden Kidd from Ashby Partners. Welcome, Braden. Welcome to Property, Australia's favourite obsession. G'day, g'day, and what a beautiful day to be here, Jeremy. Oh, it is a crack. It's a beautiful one down here in Adelaide today, so we are very lucky, but we want to talk today, Braden, about how we price our rentals. So let's go, let's start with how is it that most agents go about pricing a rental property? Uh, most of them have a very simplistic approach, which is jumping online, uh, having a quick look at what's on the market at the moment, and then pricing it that way. So it's almost like the way in which a valuer would do a valuation, isn't it? They'd look at the current market and try and assess and and benchmark against the peers, basically, isn't it? Yeah, but valuers take more than about 30 seconds to arrive at a price. <laughs> well, that's true. They do go, certainly the valuers I know, they go through a pretty complex, um, convoluted, well, maybe not convoluted is not the right word, but very complex uh, approach and calculations. Um, so... You're saying that most rental agents, just a couple of minutes and that's it? Pretty pretty much. And, you know, most rental markets, it makes sense. Like, oh, look, you know, next door's rented for 700 bucks a week. I should get 700 bucks a week for mine. What about the landlord? It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Well, you know, yes and no. Um, certainly the yes as far as, you know, if next door makes uh, 700, then, you know, if mine's equivalent, then 700 sort of seems the market price. Is that, uh, you disagree with that? Yeah, I do. I do completely. <laughs> a lot of people don't take into consideration like the strengths and the weaknesses of the property, but they also don't take into consideration the demographics and what their expenditure on rental income. Oh, well, on, what sorry, their expenditure on rent usually is. Uh, so you could be missing out on like thousands of dollars a year just by going, well, hey, I've got four bedrooms and two bathrooms. Next door has four bedrooms and two bathrooms. Therefore, next door rents at seven hundred bucks a week. Mine's going to rent for seven hundred bucks a week. It doesn't necessarily work like that. You know, you could have an extra forty square meters under roof. <laughs> You know, you, you could have like a pool, you could have all these sorts of other things that will add dollars to, to your property. Yeah. Um, but you could also be attracting like a completely different demographic, like high income earners that are more than happy to spend an extra 40 bucks a week without even breaking the sweat. So, so can you explain then what's the process that you would go through in pricing a rental? Well, I mean, first stop will always be like-for-like rentals. Um, but, you know, you've got to search through the data. Um, you've got to study, I guess, trends as well. So when the peaks are, so if you're pricing a property, it's going to come online in four weeks. And in Canberra too, specifically, my stomping ground, um, you know, we're a very cyclical market in the sense that we have, you know, defence will come through every November, December, like clockwork, because that's when their posting notices are. APS will come through every January, February, like clockwork, because that's when their posting notices are. So we can very easily predict when uh, things are going to rise and when things are going to kind of come off a little bit from the accelerator. Yep. Uh, and there could be fluctuations of up to 10% just by pricing appropriate for, I guess, the the time of year. Um, so, you know, you read the market trends, um, you know, like for like property, market trends, uh, and then you really narrow down onto to who your demographic is. Uh, for us as well, we've got the layer of like defence where they get subsidised housing from, from the government, for example. Um, you know, it kind of work out what the yearly rates on those are going to be. Um, and, you know, if your property kind of hits 
into those niches, you can kind of really ask what you like for them. Um, so just because next door could be exactly the same and they put this up at 700 bucks a week, if you're targeting a specific demographic and it's the right time of year, there's no reason why you can't ask for 770. Okay. So we're talking about doing a bit more work, I guess, this time and, and understanding a little bit more about the market. And, you know, do you typically find that by doing that, um, you know, you are able to, to secure higher rates? Nearly every single time. Okay. So... Does that affect your marketing too? If you if you're trying to mark if you're trying to um, lease into a particular demographic, um, does that change the way in which you'd you'd market the property? To, to a degree, for the, most people will look in the major websites like All Homes Domain, uh, REA. Um, they're, they're they're the big ones here. Um, so, like I mean, that that will always play into about ninety percent of your inquiry, and that's just representative of the greater market. But um, to, to get the niches and to get the higher price, you need to be a little bit more proactive as to where you're marketing. So, like I mean, the example will be we run databases with um, like corporate relocations, uh, defence relocations, APS relocations, uh, but also within the departments and. Um, you know, the databases that way. Uh, but we also do like targeted social campaigns as well for specific properties, um, which, you know, you might only get one or two inquiries, but if they're the A-grade tenant that's willing to pay the premium, mm. that makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, it's interesting. So tell me then, if you come up with, say say next door's rented at 700 and we come up and we think that 770 is the price, Um what happens when the market doesn't agree? You know, how long does it take for us to get feedback to, to for us to say that our pricing is incorrect? I say this, and it doesn't matter what market in Australia you're in. There's always tenants looking. Like, there's no market in Australia where there's not one tenant in yeah. uh, the tenant pool, so to speak. Um, so, a property shouldn't stay online for more than three weeks. And you know, to some that sounds like really, you know, not a long time at all. But to me, that's like an eternity. Yeah. Uh, so, you use your first week to test your price. Yep. You'll know very quickly if you've overcooked it because no one's going to call you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you do get people through and it's still just a little bit on the upper end, you know they'll tell you pretty point blank. Every person that comes through and every piece of feedback is invaluable because that allows you to kind of set the direction of the rest of the campaign. Second week you use for making any adjustments that you need to do. And then the third week is just the final you know, kind of negotiations to physically move someone in. So really, you, you'll know straight away if you've overcooked it because no one's going to call you about it. Yeah, okay. So pretty much within the first week or the first half a week, you should have a pretty good idea of whether you're around the mark or not. That's exactly right. And if it's a super competitive market, like I know Gold Coast, uh, Brisbane, uh, Canberra, very, very much very busy at the moment, um, you know, you'll, you'll get inquiry at any price and a lot of people are trying to t- take the mickey a little bit with, yeah. with what they're asking on some properties. People still won't pay stupid, stupid rents. Um, but you'll, you'll know very quickly because you will get 20 people through to have a look at the property. You'll get tons of inquiry, but you won't get anyone decent apply for the place. So, again, that's the other bit of data. It's just a matter of really list, listening to what the, the, the tenant pool is saying as to how you're going with your pricing strategy. must be difficult, though, in those fast-moving markets, um, you know, that – to understand where you need to be placed um, competitively against your, you know, against your peers, wouldn't you? And, and certainly for the for the particular demographics that you're after. Um, yeah, yes and no. Like, I mean, if, if you're reading the data, not not so much. Um, and you know, you got to back yourself to a to a certain degree. Um, but if if you look at the most likely person to rent the property, you know, be it a family, double income family, 
you know, thirty percent rent to to income. That, that gives you a pretty pretty fair bound as to what people are prepared to spend. What about the argument that uh, some landlords use, uh, Braden, that they'd rather underquote rents to ensure that they have, you know, limited to no vacancies? I think that's a pretty silly strategy. Um, if there's money left on the table, you can still get a high quality tenant that's long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, t- to me, people that do that are just kind of missing out on missing out on money. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it's an investment. It's you got to treat it like it's an investment. It's got to be working for you. Like I'm not necessarily saying squeezing every single last dollar out of it. Like everyone's got to be fair and reasonable in the transaction. But if you know you can get a really good quality tenant that's going to be there for five years at 800 bucks a week, but you're charging 700 bucks a week just to do the exact same thing. You're missing out on five grand a year. Yeah. What, what's the what's the point in that? Mm. Mm. Is it uh, is it fair to say too that um, you know? your best tenant is the current tenant you've got um, to try and keep that tenant? Um, yeah, yes and no. So the argument for will be like lower uh, like a, like lower costs each year in the sense of, you know, you pay your agent like one to two weeks rent in, in letting, you know, advertising plus any vacancy on changeover, you know, the wear and tear with moving people in and out. Um, so there's the argument for keeping a tenancy there, but you still got to be priced fairly to the market it's still got to be fair market value otherwise it's it's not really an investment is it well i mean there's certainly some people out there that uh, i think are probably a little bit charitable about it but um you know i guess yeah. you've got the other end too that you know as you said there's some people who do take the the mickey out of it a little bit and um, my view is uh, you know very similar to yours Braden. that at the end of the day you know when you're a landlord you're in the accommodation business so it's important that you know, you both fairly price your property, but also, you know, you provide not only a, uh, a great property, but, um, you know, one that's well cared for and maintained as well as, you know, part of your responsibilities as the uh, as the landlord. Well, that's that's exactly right. Like, I mean, you can't have a dilapidated house and you still expect top dollar for it. You can't expect, you know, good quality tenants. You can't expect happy tenants as well. So, you know, keeping your tenant happy, keeping the property well maintained, like within the, within the bounds of the legislation and what your requirements are. Uh, and, and keeping it fairly priced for you so you can continue to afford to do those things. Like my biggest example is, have you ever seen rates in any council area go down? Huh, yeah, correct. Yeah, correct. Exactly. I've yet to see so, that one. Yet to see that. Yeah, it, it, exactly right. So, like, I mean, you can look out for, for your interest in there as well. Like, you're the one providing, you know, the asset worth, you know, half a million, a million bucks. Mm. Um, mm. You're the one paying taxes on it. You're the one paying rates and all the outgoings on it. So, you, you need to make sure that your ingoings are fair and reasonable for the product that you're offering. Brayden, let's wrap it up there. So just to recap, we want to look at like properties, but we want to make sure that we get those like for likes. There are apples for apples, as you gave the um, example, um, you know, making sure that we are um, you know, not only just two bedrooms, you know, uh, looking at two or looking at apartments that are two bedroom is that's what we're trying to reach. But also looking at the square meterage, you know, looking at whether they've got courtyards, accessibility, how many car spots, the amenities around, um, you know, that's the thing that, you know, I guess makes property difficult, but also, you know, one of the things I love about property that is that uh, it's not homogenous, that uh, everything's different. So it is important that we drill down and really think about those like-for-like properties. We want to think about the trends um, that are exhibited in our own uh, market um, and, uh, you know, how how the rental increases or decreases or, or, or demand will flow into that. And, of course, making sure that we match and um, market towards the particular demographics that suit our particular property. 
I think that's a very fair statement, Jeremy. I've wrapped it up all right there, have I, Braden? I think you wrapped it up okay. <laughs> well, look, let's let's leave it there, mate. It's been a pleasure uh, having you join us. If people want to get in touch, uh, how's the best way to do so? Uh, on, on, on the internet, www.ashbypartners.com.au, by email, inspect at ashbypartners.com.au. I'll, of course, put your details in the show notes. We'd love to help you on your property journey, so please feel free to reach out to us on social media at PAFOPod. PAFO, of course, is the acronym for Property, Australia's favourite obsession. And you can email me directly at jeremy at pafo.com.au. Of course, I've always loved to have a chat, so feel free to get in touch. Um, If you've enjoyed today's episode with Brayden Kidd from Ashby Partners, don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about us. I've been your host, Jeremy Cownan. And Brayden, until next time, let's keep obsessing about property. Any opinions or recommendations expressed should be considered general in nature, as they do not consider your personal objectives or financial circumstances. You should therefore consider these matters yourself before deciding whether the advice is appropriate to you and if you should act upon it. Should advice be sought, please seek an appropriately qualified advisor. Investing may not be appropriate for everyone, as there is inherent risk and the possibility of loss when investing in financial assets, just as there is the possibility of profits. While useful for identifying patterns, history and past performance do not guarantee future performance. Calvin Flack has a commercial relationship with guests appearing on this production. 